You are Locked On Blue Jays, your daily podcast on the Toronto Blue Jays, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Blue Jays fans, and welcome to Locked On Blue Jays, your daily dose of Toronto Blue Jays talk directly into your veins. Yes, we are making a liquid form of the podcast that you will be able to inject directly into you to get all that Blue Jays knowledge that you need. I'm your host, Ryan Andrews. I'm back for another day of Blue Jays talk, and we are going to talk about last night's game against Atlanta because it was positive, and we like to talk about positive things here on this podcast as evidenced by yesterday's episode. So I, I want to talk about how the Blue Jays were able to properly adapt to the National League ballpark, but we're going to do that in the second half. The big story from last night, and the one who cannot be ignored for these celebrations of last night's win, the performance last night of one Marcus Earl Stroman was sensational, to say the least. Marcus Stroman pitched seven innings, one run ball, Gave up six hits, walked two, struck out five. His ERA drops below six for the first time all season. He's down to 590, so pop that champagne. Stroman's getting back to form. And that that's the big takeaway for everyone, I think, is that, oh, Marcus Stroman's back. He's He's recovered. He's, he's put the shoulder issues behind him. He's back to being who we are. And yeah, that that's very easy to say on the surface. that It's correct. He's been great since returning. That's his third start out of four since returning from the DL, where he's only given up one earned run or fewer, aside from that game against the Mets, which let's not talk about that game. Let's just ignore that. But no, Marcus Stroman was dominant last night. He was in complete control. That confidence that we've determined is so important to what Marcus Stroman is able to do as an MLB pitcher. That confidence was on full display last night. He had complete control of his pitches. He was putting them wherever he wanted. Of his 93 pitches, 60 were called strikes. And more importantly, of the 23 pitches that were put into play for Blue Jays batters, 17 of the 23 were ground balls. That is the big metric for determining Marcus Stroman's success. That is the key to him being the ace of the staff that people think he can be. And he had it going last night. And it it was easy to see. Again, he was putting pitches wherever he wanted and and getting those calls from home plate umpire Corey Blazer jumping ahead of myself but but again it it's it's that confidence in his ability to do that he's not compensating for anything and you, another thing is i think Marcus Stroman really likes playing in national league parks he had a good day at the plate last night. He was one for three. Had a solid single. 
His batting average remains at 333 on the season. And even after Julio Teheran struck him out in the fifth inning, he's, he's walking back to the dugout, smile on his face, just like, all right, you got me. And you you could see him on, on the ground out that he had in the seventh inning. He he was tearing down the line. He he runs faster than the majority of that lineup. He would he would beat Solarte. He would beat Smoke. Beat Martin. Maybe beat Diaz. Definitely beat Morales. So he he would beat like half the start the starting lineup for the Blue Jays in a foot race. Like like I'll I'll give Grant I'll give the outfield over him. I'll give Devin Travis over him. But but mostly. Mostly infielders, definitely the catchers. He would beat in a foot race, so that that was interesting to see. But but it's it's part of what was missing from Marcus Strom in the season is that that joy, that that childlike wonder, in that he gets to play this game and he gets to go and play well at this game. He's so far gone in April and. I, I did dig up some stats to, just to illustrate the stark difference between Marcus Stroman in the first month of the season and Marcus Stroman now. And Fangraphs fan is great for this. They they let you really dig into it in into the stats. So shout out to Fangraphs. But yeah, prior to going on the DL. Let's let's just start with some simple ones like batting average. Prior to going to the DL, Marcus Stroman was giving up hits at about a 290 clip over March and May. In the, in this day and age, 290 is like godly at the plate if you're a batter. If you're a pitcher, it's terrible. And Marcus Stroman was just not able to do anything about it. And and they were getting on, and they were getting them those hits deep. Batters were slugging like 456 against them. Again, not numbers you want to put up by any stretch of the ma- imagination. When you when your opponent's OPS is above 800, you're you're not going to be a successful pitcher. Shock. Since coming back though, like in those those two starts he had in June. Again, it's against Detroit. It's against the Angels. But instantly started coming back to earth. In those two games, opponents were batting 227 against them, slugging 295. That's the Marcus Stroman that's really good and that's really effective. And it for for Stroman this year, it's been a problem of compounding damage especially early on in the season. Like, even since he's come back, uh, Fangraphs does a good job of tracking leverage, like pitchers in low leverage, medium leverage, high leverage situations. Stroman in low leverage, when he wasn't dealing with runners on base or anything like that, he's always been good. He's got a 183 opposing batting average against him, batter slugging 272. That is awesome. However, once Stroman put that initial runner on, once once a seeing eye ground ball got through, once a batter got away from him and drew a walk, that is when the problems really compounded themselves for Stroman. E- even with the starts 
since his return. Opponents are batting 351 against him this season in medium leverage situations. That's like runners on first. Um, maybe runners on first and second. But, you know, instances where there's not a, a clear and present danger for a runner to score. But he just continually compounded those errors by giving up those singles, those, those doubles, those, those home runs that turned that, that first and second into the finishing blow for a Marcus Stroman afternoon. Batters were slugging 508 in those situations against Stroman this season. And it's very easy to see why they were doing it. And it's going to be the obvious one that, oh, coming back from the injury, he's able to do, do things he wanted to do. Well, it is. Because the main problem for Marcus Stroman this season is that he was not able to get any kind of movement going on his main pitches and batters were just teeing off on them. When you when you look at Fangrass tracking a pitch value, when Stroman was dealing last year, his best two pitches were his sinker and his slider. He had a combined value of 18.8 over the average pitch of that of that magnitude. He's so good when he gets the movement going on those pitches. So far this year, he hadn't been able to do it at all. In 2018, his sinker and slider combined graded out to a negative 1.3 value in the first half of the season for Marcus Stroman. Just unable to generate any kind of, of proper contact that, that would be useful in, in generating those ground balls. The sinker was generating ground balls, but because they were getting hit harder, uh, they they were sliding through the infield and resulting in runners on base. The the slider in particular, like it was, it was g- giving up line drives at a thirty four point six percent rate this season. That's not good for anyone trying trying to handle that, so to speak. And again, the sinker has been. His bread and butter pitch. He gets 70% of hitters to ground it when they make contact with that sinker. That's what he uses to get those pitches out. And when you look at the movement generated this year, it was clear that the sinker was off. It it wasn't moving as much. It looked more like the 2016 sinker that resulted in Stroman getting hit hard a bit before he, he really pulled it back together. So... Since he's come back, he's been able to generate more movement on his signature pitches, on his sinker, on his slider, and that's resulted in the increase in soft contact, which, again, Marcus Stroman lives and dies by soft contact, and he was not getting it to start the season. He was hovering around 17-18% in soft contact since he's come back. That average has gone up to about 21% percent which you want to see it going higher and it is trending higher he's specifically got a 25 percent soft contact rate in the month of june his hard contact has dropped considerably it was about 46 percent in april and may it's hovering down now below to around 30 percent which is really where you want stroman to be with that contact rate so you get those soft ground balls that get those double plays so 
again, last night was a, a perfect encapsulation of a Marcus Stroman start. He kept his pitch count down. He got the soft contact he wanted. He got runners erased when he needed them to be erased instead of compounding his damage. And the, it's why you can see Marcus Stroming having a lot of success going forward. And I'm very excited to see that. So excited that I've pretty much taken up this episode talking about Marcus Stroman. But again, he's he's got such a joie de vivre when it comes to this game. I want him to succeed. And I, I hate the Tom Gordon comparisons because I think Stroman can fight a little bit better than that when he can get the movement going on his pitches. I'm not sure if he could do that as a reliever as effectively as he can as a starter, but that might be a conversation for another day. For now, we are going to take a brief commercial break. Okay, so I I spent a lot of time this episode big-upping Marcus Stroman, and there there is a very good reason for that he was very good but the big reason why he was able to get the win last night was that five run inning that the blue jays managed to put together in the eighth and that was we've talked about this before on the podcast but that's the kind of inning that i love to see from the blue jays not not the big big two run home run or something like that i want to see Batters stringing together a set of hits because that's how you make opponents pay. It's, it's not they'll they'll give up a two run shot fine. That's a mistake. That's there's nothing you can do. But when you consistently string together hits, that's when you build up these big innings. That's why the Red Sox are so good at really burying their opponents because they just do not give up and they keep pounding and pounding and pounding. And seeing that yesterday from the Blue Jays and and seeing it from guys who you would not suspect guys like Russell Martin being able to poke a signal guys like Kevin Pillar being able to to keep momentum going Alemis Diaz at that at that double that just squeaked in down the right field line it's so great to see that and and I I don't Again, we haven't seen it enough from the Blue Jays. And and I was talking with a Braves fan on Twitter last night. Um, his name is Luis Valdez. He's at the Nasty Brave. And we got into a discussion about how when the Braves generated their run in the sixth inning with Ozzie Albius uh, stealing second, advancing on the ground and coming home. That's something the Blue Jays have not been able to do. The Blue Jays are very much an American league team and they rely on that power to, to generate all their runs and, and really carry their offense. So to watch them be able to, to generate those runs, I, again, against a team that's so good at it, it was very nice to see. And, And it, it, they probably needed all those runs. Uh, the the Braves fan in question, Luis, was 
happy to see Tyler Clippard come out in the ninth. And, and admittedly, a lot of fans probably were like, oh, is five runs going to be enough for Tyler Clippard? But Clippard's been good lately, and he showed why last night got a pair of strikeouts in the inning. Clippard was very effective. That Sportsnet had that graphic last night that showed that Clippard, O, and Axford all have whips below 130, which, considering they're making a combined $5 million or one Junichi Tazawa, that's awesome. So, was very happy with that. Was very happy that, that the Blue Jays were able to put the boot on the throat of an opponent there. Because uh, another fan, uh, I, I won't say their name, but they predicted a double play coming off the bat of Russell Martin when when he stepped in. And Martin ended up getting a single that really kept that inning going and, and really... Again, put the boots to A.J. Minter after that initial error that the Braves made to put then Solarte on board. Gurriel came in to pinch run, and he was able to get second on a failed pickoff attempt. So the Braves really compounded their errors at the start of that inning, manufacturing a run for the Blue Jays. And the Blue Jays, for, for one of the few times this season, just capitalized entirely on that mistake and that again is what i wanted to see from this team offensively just keep stringing hits together keep moving through the order they sent nine batters up eventually the fan i was talking to was proved right it was a teoscar hernandez double play that ended the inning but it wasn't a russell martin one so we'll we'll give we'll give partial credit for that one but yeah, for the Blue Jays going forward, like, yeah, they're going to have Vladimir Guerrero Jr. here to provide power. They're going to have Bo Bichette to provide some power. But it's a team that really needs to improve its ability to generate runs like that, to manufacture runs like that with with a single, with advancing the runner on a ground out. And to finally see that last night, it... it it was frustrating because, like, this is what it could have been for the Blue Jays. But instead, you know, you you, you did get that glimmer that it, it can be something here. And it's too late this season to really make a difference, but it, it bodes well going forward. That guy's like Gritchuk, that guy's like Diaz, who Travis, Pilar, guys who may be a part of that next generation, that Guerrero generation – can be guys who can generate offense and you need to see it a lot more consistently than they've done this season but that hope is kind of there and when when you have more guys like speed um as Luis said last night when you can generate runs like that and and really make yourself multi-dimensional that makes your team so much better and and that is what gets you higher in the standings as Luis pointed out to me last night. So I will close this edition of locked on blue Jays on that note, on that positive note from last night. It, if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can follow me at NeoAC18. That's NeoAC18. You can follow this podcast at locked on Jays. And yeah, the Blue Jays go into tonight with Sam Gaviglio going against Mike fulton who's an all-star, so good luck, Sammy G. Well, 
I, I'm sure there are many people who, who have the faith that you'll be able to outduel Mr. Fulton Evitz, but at, at this point, we got the split in the bag. I'm, I'm happy with that. So I'll be looking for it. I'll be tweeting tonight, so be on the lookout for me. And again, thank you to Luis Valdez for that conversation. He is at the Nasty Brave. And thank you to all of you for, for following and listening to this podcast. Again, it is always appreciated. So for everyone here at Lockdown Blue Jays, I'm Ryan Andrews. Thank you so much for listening, and y'all take care.